0: Hey, glad you can make it, and welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking, now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marrable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that HR analytics dashboard, helping all of you HR and people leaders out there at small and medium companies automate your HR reporting and analytics process. That's right, we know that you all believe that HR spreadsheets suck. They're manual, they're tedious, they're time-consuming. You're pulling all these messy spreadsheets from all these different systems, and you're always thinking there has to be a better way. Well, look no further. Go to EmployeeCycle.com. Check us out. We're an HR analytics dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems out there to pull all your data into one source of truth. Go to EmployeeCycle.com. Check us out. Get a demo. We would love to chat about how we can automate your HR reporting and analytics process but that's enough about me and our company because today I have an awesome guest. So please help me welcome to the show, John Agnone. He's the Senior Director of People Analytics at Salesforce. And today we're discussing how to support executives with people analytics. John, welcome to the podcast. Woo! John, welcome!
1: I the hype machine, Bruce, and thank you. And I have to say, I, plus I 100 to working with spreadsheets suck. And I have to say, just on behalf of, Salesforce and Tableau, you know, we, we also, we, we jump into that, you know, those larger companies, right? You know, those ones that you don't support and, and we help solve a lot of those same people analytics problems. And so, you know, drinking our own champagne
0: here as much as we can. So excited to talk to you today. Awesome. Really appreciate that. And John, we're going to kick off this podcast the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Huh. I
1: came into HR uh, like anyone would come into HR by accident, at least in my experience. So went to uh, grad school um, in social science, got my doctorate in sociology and statistics and you know decided I didn't want to be a professor at pretty much the last minute and was working in public policy and state government here in Washington State and had a friend who happened to work at the Gates Foundation supporting a people analytics team uh, as a data scientist and said, hey, I, I think this job would be for you. And like, you know, anyone who would first hear about a job working with data and HR, it didn't sound like what I wanted to do, but he was persistent. And I'm glad he was because I spent seven years at uh, Gates Foundation and People Analytics and had an incredible time, met some wonderful people, made great impacts on the business and realized what you can do with people data uh, in Tableau. That's how he found my love to Tableau and how I ended up going to Tableau and then to Salesforce. And so that's my... uh Short version of getting into the lovable people
0: analytics racket, as I affectionately call it awesome so john today we 're talking about how to support executives with people analytics, but before we go into the topic, I would love if you could help us understand what exactly is people analytics it 's such a buzzy term, and there 's so many different alternatives. some people say h r analytics, some people say people analytics, some people say workforce analytics what is people analytics and how does it differ if it differs at all from HR analytics and also workforce analytics? Oh, you know, I see like,
1: I've seen all those words used. I've actually been on the same team that's changed our name to each one of those at some point. So I don't really see a difference in my experience on what you name it, you know, a rose by any other name, you know, yada, yada, yada. However, the way I think about people analytics and how I'll talk about it when people ask me what we do is that we are like internal consultants, navel gazers within the business that really focus deeply on the most valuable asset at any company, right? And and often the most, the, the largest expense at companies, right? Is your people. And so, you know, kind of adding value to that data, making leaders understand or helping leaders understand, you know, what the impact of their decisions are on their business holistically. Be it with you know hiring attrition employee growth how that connects to sales outcomes or some other business impacts and so you know they think it's the the, the function that used to you know be done by your McKinseys or BCGs uh, as external consultants but now we're internal SMEs
0: focusing on that so uh, that's generally the way I think about the work got it and so as we think about supporting executives with people analytics. I first want to dig into who are the executives or the stakeholders that you believe the HR or the people analytics team really should be presenting the findings to. And then after we determine that, then we can go into what kind of insights and what should you be doing to support these executives? Yeah. So, you
1: know, our work in particular at Salesforce, and this is similar to the work when I was at other organizations kind of focuses around three pillars or three key stakeholders. So there's just out there in the business, whether it's at the Gates Foundation giving away grants, you know, that was their primary business, or at Salesforce supporting the sales teams, the sales and marketing teams, or the developers who are, you know, building the products that we're out there selling. You know, that business is our number one customer, ultimately. And so we, we want to come up with as much as we can, self-service analytics, and then analytics that we can then turn on its head and self-serve to help provide, you know, impactful decks or presentations. So the business understands how to be effective. Like you know, we kind of want to be that that partner that helps them understand what to do and then move on to do their primary task. So that's one of the three um, focus areas, and really the biggest one. Next for us is helping HR understand how to be key partners for the business, right? So what do they need to know to make those good decisions? And then, you know, everyone's boss, you know, what be it HR or the business, is that an executive leadership team? So we, we provide a lot of support for our ELT around, hey, what's going on? What do you need to be aware of? And then additionally, you know, like, I guess that next layer up being the board of directors, you know, what do they need to understand, hey, high level, what's going on at the company? What do you need to be aware of? Where, may the, where are there possible pivot points or decision points that we can support? And so those are kind of those those three or four key audiences for us in, in terms of our work. I like how you
0: broke that down. And I'm really interested in the first one where you said support the business. Because as you mentioned, the business changes depending on the industry or the focus of the company that you're with. And so how do you define what the business is? So for instance, if you're a manufacturing company is the business more the sales team or is the business the actual cohort of the workforce that's manufacturing whatever gadget or thing that you're building? How do you decide what business is that? And does that, and should that come from the business to say, hey, we're the most important, or should you be able to discern that and determine that as the team creating the analytics?
1: Yeah, such a good question. I mean, kind of focusing more on our world, right? Like, I see, you know, the two key parts of the of the business are the sales team and the development team, right? They can't, they can't do their jobs without each other, right? So the sellers have nothing to sell if the developers don't create a good product, right? And so, you know, I see both of those are so key. Um, what, it's one of the reasons that I and several of my peers in People Analytics are always willing to jump on sales calls. Right, because as I tell them every time, they're always so grateful that we come. And I say, "Hey, you're helping pay the bills for everyone here. I'll jump on any time." And so I think you know, being able to you know guide both of those. You know, we spend equal time with our our tech and product leaders as we do with our distribution leaders on the sales teams, to, and, and we have separate separate uh, analytics leaders who really get deeply embedded with those teams to understand what they need and, and drive. You know, an impact from a people analytics perspective, because they're both like it, it's it's such a it's so symbiotic between those two that's it's, it's really key to focus on both.
0: When you're looking at a team like the sales team, for instance, how much about how the sales team operates and the overall KPIs or OKRs that the sales team is trying to achieve does the HR or the analytics team? Need to know what does that relationship look like, so that you can support that part of the business as efficiently and effectively as possible. I mean, we definitely need to be conversant in some of their
1: their key metrics, their key areas of interest. You know, I have a a director under me who's just spends so much time with our sales leadership. You know, partnering with the sales strategy team, understanding you know what metrics and data they need to inform their strategic decisions. You know, around. You know, ACV or annual contract value. You know, it's one of the things, one of the the metrics that our sales team is constantly thinking about and, and honing in on. And so, you know, we often give a lot of thought around, hey, what what metrics, what data, you know, from a dependent variable perspective, you know, would ACV impact? And and likewise, if we used ACV as an independent variable, what could that drive impact on uh, from an employee perspective? So we're always trying to you know think creatively and holistically with them. and and learn their language so that we can help translate our HR speak and and processes and programs into something that's relevant for them that really is, and I don't say this in a demeaning way, an afterthought. Like It shouldn't be their main thing to think about HR processes and data. We want to make it easy for
0: them so they can do what they were hired to do. And so when they're thinking about and focusing on ACV, and for those of you who don't know that acronym, that's annual contract value or how much each customer is paying you per year... As you truly understand what that means, how does that help you do your job better or provide better insights? Are you taking that data and then mashing that together with HR data? Or is that informing you to now better understand how are you going to use this employee data to better support them? And are there any examples you can give there? Yeah,
1: I'm trying to think of a couple examples. So, you know, definitely um, there have been times where, you know, we've done things like, Hey, you know, look at be it you know promotion rates or you know transfer rates uh, of employees or um, ratings by you know attainment, like percent attainment around those ACV goals, right? And what those what they are either in the aggregate or at the individual level or team level. Um, so we've done some of that in the past in partnership with the sales strategy team, where you know they'll share some of that line level data or employee level data. So that we can match it because generally, you know, people analytics, you're the only ones who have the keys to the people castle. And so people are asking you to enrich their data and, you know, various ways that you can do that. And so that's one of the examples, one of the things we've done a little more on the Tableau side um, prior to the acquisition that we had done a little more of that. But I'd say generally it's more to your question, Bruce, around, hey, just being informed of those metrics and being able to understand what's important for the business and how we can provide value. in support of the way that they think about the world, which is very, you know,
0: contract value driven. Got it. And so the next area that you were talking about is helping HR. And I know a lot of our audience who are primarily HR leaders that don't have the luxury of having a people analytics team, they're trying to do this themselves. How should they think about what's the best way to be able to support leadership whether that's the executive leadership team or individual department managers? What should that look like?
1: Yeah. You know, I always feel like, you know, the, the most important thing is being able to summarize at a high level, you know, what's going on with your company around, hey, what's our current headcount? How's it tracked over time? You know, what's what's hires? How's that changed over time? You know, a, a couple of clicks down around like, hey, what's our average time to fill? Um, you know, what are our, you know, hiring rate per, per recruiter? You know, some basic, Stuff You know, the types of things that when we talk to customers, we really say, hey, you want to get started with like some like an executive overview, right? You can go deeper on all of these things. But you need to be able to support the business around things additionally around like, hey, what's our, you know, uh, percent women uh, headcount, you know, percent. And I know it differs by business, you know, in in tech, we focus on URMs or underrepresented minorities, right? You know, what's your hiring rates? What's your, your current headcount? What's your attrition overall? What's your attrition? key competitors, things like that. So, you know, being able to be, I think for HR leaders to be conversant in their area of expertise to show up as partners with the business and then with their bosses in the executive leadership team as like a key strategic partner. I think that's the number one thing that we provide in people analytics is, you know, the ammo for those leaders to go in informed with their bosses uh, and their clients who are in the business to
0: really, you know, be like a key strategic partner. Interesting. And as HR leaders are thinking about the different areas of metrics and categories of different data points of employee data that they can pull together, what do you think are the top three to five, if it's even that many, types of metrics that they should be sharing in this exec dashboard or this exec overview?
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure you and I have, have some overlapping notes here, Bruce, from, from our collective worlds. But you know, for me, you know, a couple of things I just mentioned, right, you know, you, you want everyone uh, should now, if they're not, you know, be focusing around, you know, attrition, right? You know, there's so many ways to calculate, you know, I'm a fan of, you know, smoothing it out with a trailing 12-month attrition calc. Yep. You know, and, and often, you know, being able to also focus on, you know, various slices of that, you know, whether it's by, you know, uh, for women, for, you know, roles of the company, you know, that is a key metric for people to kind of hone in on. Other things, you know, just uh, overall hiring rates, you know, around, you know, hey, what proportion of our, of our employees are new over, you know, the last three, six, nine months, you know, being able to focus on stories like that. Also, I think being able to track, you know, diversity, whether, you know, percent women, percent URMs, uh, slices, either whether it be by, you know, uh, vice presidents and above or individual contributors, midline managers, you know, trying to understand the composition of your workforce, who they are around tenure you know, diversity groupings, um, areas of the business, you know, these are kind of those key things that I think you you definitely want to start with to just be more aware, you know, also around the shape of your organization, you know, where is the bulk of your talent? Is it in the middle of that, you know, grade distribution? Or um, are you IC heavy? You know, what are those ratios and spans of control? Um, Those are kind of the the things that I think of when I when I think through either what you would uh, present for like an executive dashboard, but also like,
0: those key pieces of information you want to get started with? For a lot of the HR leaders that we talk to using our product, this is the first time where they've actually had an organized and visually compelling method to share all their workforce metrics and, or HR metrics with their leadership team. And what we find is that for a lot of HR leaders, it's very overwhelming because most HR leaders don't come from a background like yours or have the statistical capabilities or analytics capabilities to be able to do this. And so for all of the HR leaders out there listening, thinking, this is too much, I'll never be able to do this. I hear what you're saying, John, but I hate spreadsheets. I hate Excel, Google Sheets. I don't care. I try to Google all these calcul. This is what we hear. I try to Google all these calculations, make this work my spreadsheet never turns out the way I want it to do. How would you advise someone to start on a path here? And then if an HR leader does have someone on their team that really likes doing this work, how would you advise that person to move on a path from HR to really going into being this dedicated people analytics person?
1: Yeah. You know, I love that you, you keep bagging on spreadsheets because, you know, that's that's definitely where a lot of people are and, you know, that's that's where the value is and helping transform that spreadsheet data into a coherent story, right? Like, what's your two or three bullet points from that spreadsheet? And whether it's, you know, your product or something like Tableau that, you know, we use, you know, kind of getting people, you know, that data reduction in a way that's meaningful. You know, for us, you know, we've spent so much time taking, you know, more of a human-centered design approach that we've, you know, really embraced in, in partnership with our employee experience team around, you know, hey, what does our end user ultimately need? And how can we provide a a clean UX or user experience around that data, that dashboard, that presentation, knowing that less is more so that you can really meet our users where they are? Because as you said, a lot of our HR uh, HR leaders aren't coming from, you know, backgrounds where it's very data heavy and increasingly HR is very data focused. Um, And so, you know, we'll do things like, you know, not just, you know, taking that UX eye or that user experience eye, but also doing enablements, right? Like right now we do quarterly enablement sessions with our HR business partners and key stakeholders and leaders to make sure they know how to use and understand some of our offerings. You know, they get the opportunity to ask questions, you know, kind of uh, be engaged on, you know, enhancements or tweaks. And so that type of partnership and trying to develop that data literacy culture is really powerful.
0: Awesome. John, I could talk to you about this all day because, as you know, we're an HR data company, so everything that you're talking about is super fascinating to me. But if there was one thing that you would want le- listeners and our audience to remember, because we talked about a lot of interesting stuff today, but if there's one thing that you would want them to remember from everything that you talked about today, what would it be? I'd say, you know, my primary
1: takeaway and what I always try to tell my team is people analytics are in service to the business. Right We don't have a job unless our company is successful, and unless we are providing our users with what they need and our customers, because they really are our internal customers. And so I, I tell our team, you don't get to say no to anything. you can say no comma but," or no, not right now, no, but here's what I can do. but you know we're in the service of the business, we're here to add value, and so I think that's you know why I really focused in on early on in this conversation around. The business being a key customer of
0: ours, not just HR and executive leadership. John, thank you so much for being such an awesome podcast. And we really appreciated you dropping all your gems of wisdom on the Employee Cycle Show. Thank you, John. (laughs) Go, John. So where can people find you? And this is a weird question, but Salesforce online. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn. I am not much of a
1: uh, social media person beyond that. But uh, I do have a presence on LinkedIn and Salesforce at salesforce.com. And then if you want to track some more people analytics metrics, we have equality.com for all of our diversity, equity, and inclusion metrics. And um, we're going to be making that a
0: little splash here in the months to come. So stay tuned. Awesome. For everyone listening, if you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as John and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating. Also. If you are listening to the Employee Cycle Podcast for the first time and you came here because you're either already a huge super fan of John and you just had to hear what he was going to say, or you thought this topic was super compelling because you're trying to get more into people analytics, but now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire train and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.